Crazy Talk is part of the AudioWorks Podcast Network. Other podcasts on the network include the Five Film Death Punch podcast, a twice monthly interview exploring guests' five favourite films, and the AudioWorks podcast, weekly long form interviews with interesting, successful, and funny people. You can find out more at audio-works.co.uk. You're listening to Crazy Talk, a podcast all about mental health. My name is Meg and I'm your guide through the minefield that is mental health. Uh, If you've listened to the podcast before, thank you for coming back and listening again. If it's your first time, welcome aboard. I hope you enjoy it. We've got a really good episode for you today. I don't know why I say we, because it is just me. I've got a really good episode for you today. Really good guest, um, good chat, good advice. So yeah, keep listening. Before we get started, um, I just want to talk to you a little bit about um, a TV show that I really think anybody listening to this should should go and watch. Whether you, you know, live with a mental health condition, whether you don't, and you know, you just find it interesting, or you know, I think it's actually good for anybody to watch this. And it's called Mind Over Marathon. It was on the BBC. Uh, it's two episodes. They're an hour long each. Um, it's on the iPlayer now, so you can find it there. And um, it's basically um, a group of 10 people who all have different mental health um, conditions. You know, some people have PTSD, anxiety, depression, OCD, uh, and they all come together to train for the London Marathon to run for uh, Heads Together, which is um, a new organisation that aims to open up the conversation about mental health. So these 10 people come together. Not all of them make it to the start line, um, but they all kind of go on these individual journeys um, and yeah kind of come face kind of just yeah just face their mental health issues and it's just really really inspiring um really uplifting and yeah really interesting so please go and check it out I really really recommend it uh Mind Over Marathon you can find it on BBC iPlayer So this fortnight's episode, well, my guest on this episode is a lady called Leah Stonehill. Um, She is a good friend of mine and she's also going out with Jay Brooke, who um, you might have heard a couple of episodes ago. Um, Leah works in music programming. She works for, um, well, a massive radio station, Radio X. So, you know, she's pretty good at her job. Um, But, you know, it's a high pressure job. And um, she's also got three lovely young kids um so she's got a pretty hectic life and uh, we talk a little bit about what that's like um when you're you know trying to deal with a mental health condition and um yeah we talk about diet and um you know just general well-being we talk about counseling we talk about a lot of really interesting stuff and um Leah um has some really good advice and some good things to say so um yeah I'm really really excited to put this one out so um 
yeah, this is my chat with Leah Stonehill. Enjoy. guess the podcast debut yeah the <laughs> podcast debut um I guess for me like the reason I've decided to do the podcast because when you when I knew you were doing this which was when you first started I thought it was awesome and I was like that's like a really cool thing to do and it's much needed because of the fact that I've not felt that I can be open mm-hmm. about my experiences yeah um because of the perceptions attached to that and how I think people might mm-hmm. change their views of me um so and actually as much as I've listened to every podcast today and enjoyed them and found them really helpful and inspiring I've, I've still not felt that I've been at a point where I could be that honest. yeah because I mean I mentioned it to you probably like a couple of months ago and you were just like no, I'm not quite there yet. Which is fine because yeah. I've had actually had people approach me and say they want to come on, but then they've given me kind of like a list of rules of like what we can and can't talk about, and I'm sort of just like I don't think you're quite ready yet. Yeah. So it's good to know that you're not ready, but I guess now you felt like you were ready to. Yeah, and I think a big part of it for me was listening to my boyfriend's podcast that he did with you, yeah. Jay, um, because I found that quite inspiring that mm-hmm. he did that because I know he f- he feels the same he worries what people think yeah yeah um like we all do to an extent we all wish we didn't but yeah we do uh-huh. um but listening to him talk about his you know anxiety and things so honestly and articulately it was really like I was so proud of him for doing that and mm-hmm. I know that I didn't, it just it made me respect him more it didn't make me mm-hmm. see any less of him and I think it will be the same for anyone else that will be listening to it so yeah I don't think anyone's going to listen to this and think like fucking hell Leah you crazy bitch yeah <laughs> well you don't know we've not got there yet I don't know no but you know I don't think anybody who is likely to think that other person is going to listen to this podcast anyway no that's very true so yeah yeah but um yeah so I think I think I just um got to a point where I was like well you know, we've all ha- we all have experiences with mental health, whether they're yeah. minor or, you know, at some point in our lives, everyone has stressful situations or they go through difficult times and people cope with them differently and some people don't cope as well. And it's not, it's not anything to hide and it's not anything that you should feel embarrassed talking about. But that doesn't mean that we don't. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do feel like I've reached a point now where I can just be honest about it and, and not really care if that's someone good. thinks any less of me because ultimately that's their problem, yeah. not mine. I think a lot of people who have mental health pro- pro- well, I say problems because that makes it sound like it's, like it's a really horrible, terrifying thing. But like mm. anybody who experiences like ups and downs with their mental health, you do get to a point, I think, after a while where you just kind of stop caring what people think. Like I got there, which is why I started doing this podcast. So I was like, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's good... To, like I think, yeah, it's like a point of acceptance. I think yeah. it's like, okay, this is how I am, 
I can't change it, so whatever. Like. Yeah. I think for me as well, sorry, I've just realised that clock is ticking really loud. Is that oh, it's okay. It's you fine. won't pick it up. It's, um, it's like ambient noise. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it might send people into like a trance who are listening to it. Like, Lee has gone I think for me as well, the kind of always trying to appear fine mm-hmm. was actually a big part of how I was then not fine. Yeah. Um, so it all kind of ties in together anyway. Like uh, I actually was genuinely fine for most of my life uh-huh. and hadn't experienced really particularly any mental health difficulties. Um, but now that I've kind of been through that and had counselling and addressed what did happen to me, I realised that actually those years spent saying, oh no, everything's fine, everything's fine, this isn't affecting me, actually is what led to my depression in the yeah. end anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so by then just covering it up still, even though now I've been diagnosed, it's like I'm still perpetuating that, I'm still kind of like yeah. not helping myself by feeling like I have to constantly appear to be coping all the time. Yeah. Because we all, you know, we're human beings and we're very complicated mm-hmm. and the things we experience affect us and that's okay yeah do you I think like one of the like obviously you're a very interesting person but I think one of the main reasons why I thought it'd be interesting for you to come on the podcast and helpful for other people is because you're a working mother of three children and I think a lot of people would think that if if you're depressed or something that might make it worse it's quite stressful but quite interestingly you said to me before that actually your kids make it a lot easier for you because yeah. they give you a reason to sort of like you know get up and get going every day absolutely they're my driver you know they give me that purpose that I need and I'm, I've spoke to you as well in the past about needing a sense of purpose when I wake up in the morning mm-hmm. the very few times when I do have a weekend to myself or you know the children go away for their, with their dad for a holiday or something I know I have to fill that time with things to be done yeah and it's a balance you know because I can overdo that massively um but the children are my reason for going to work getting up and getting out of bed and going to work and they're my reason for being organized in my life and making sure they have everything that they need and I honestly think without them I probably would have just fallen down a dark hole Mm -hmm. at one point in my life so it's been a good thing rather than like a more oh god yeah a hundred percent and also like my depression has never um, being at the point where because I know there are people who get to the point where even though they have children they cannot function yeah they can't cope they yeah. can't cope and that's their illness and there should be no judgement whatsoever on them they're not bad parents they just genuinely are ill if they had cancer and couldn't get out of bed no one would judge exactly. them for yeah. that yeah. Um, but I'm lucky that actually mine's never been at that point so my children are actually very unaware of um, any mental health problems that I've had yeah um they're kind of very shielded from that and again that's I don't know if that's a good thing or not I don't think I sh- don't know if I should be more open with them but I think they're at a, a, an age where it's probably quite difficult I think you'll know you'll know when is a good time if you want to have that conversation with them when it's a good time to yeah like you said like they're quite young you know it's yeah. not gonna maybe be something that they can understand yet probably. no but I do think that I mean my daughter's reaching an age where you know, she's 11 and she's just had her sats, so she's had like a bit of kind of nerves and anxiety yeah. around that and that's affected her sleeping and I think these days, I know, I am much more aware than maybe perhaps my parents were of the pressures that 
kids are put under and the way that can affect them very early on. Yeah. That then can shape anxieties or neuroses about things. So I'm hyper aware of that. Yeah. Um, so it's good that I can you know, have a conversation with her and say, you know, it's perfectly normal to feel this way and yeah. don't feel like you you shouldn't or that it, you're failing if you, you know, feel worried about something. I think it's something. also, like, it's a very different world that, like, somebody of of her age is growing up in now. I guess you grew up in the 90s, right? Yeah. So, you know, no one had... There was no social media, mobile phones. There wasn't when I was growing up either, really. Yeah, yeah. So it's much... There's a, I guess there's it maybe is now a conversation that you have to have with your kids when they become teenagers. Like, you know, life can be quite stressful and if you ever feel down or something, you know, it's completely normal. You just have to talk about it. Yeah. And there's obviously pros and cons to that absolute massive amount of information that they're, you know, they have at their fingertips. She's got a smartphone. Yeah. And um, she can go and search anything she wants to. And, you know, I obviously try and keep an eye on that. Yeah. And I'll check her browsing history every now and then and that sort of thing. But, you know, she Instagram, for example, is a big one for me. She's on Instagram and I know there's a lot of very positive messages on Instagram about mental health and um, things like eating disorders or like self-harm, things that affect teenagers predominantly in the first instance. Um but there's also a lot of very negative stuff on there. Yeah. Stuff that's almost pro-eating disorder or pro-self-harm. And that's terrifying because, as I know, as a teenager, you want to fit in and you want to do what seems to be the thing to be doing. Yeah. And <clears throat> it is, you know, she she is growing up in a completely different culture mm-hmm. to, to what we did. So, yeah, it's it's terrifying being a mum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... um. You're doing a good job, don't oh, worry. Thanks. You're doing a good job. Well, so far, none of them have uh, killed themselves or anyone else, so... Yeah, that's a good <laughs> sign. That's a good sign nowadays. Yeah. So, um, you got... I guess you got the kids and stuff, but you said that's obviously, like, quite a positive thing for you. How about work for you? Because um, even just the, the fact that you have to commute to London every day, that's something that I personally would struggle with. Mm. I'd get very tired and I'd probably, you know... I think I'd probably get used to it, but how, like, how do you find that? Is it? Um, it depends how I'm feeling um, mentally, really. Because so I, I should probably give some context. I am on medication still, mm-hmm. have been for two and a half years now. <clears throat> um, so generally, I'm pretty stable these days. But I obviously still have periods of time where, for whatever reason, I don't feel as in control of my mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it gets tougher, you know, the commute gets tougher and just yeah. daily life in general gets tougher. I, I don't think it would even matter if I worked down the road, it would still feel hard work. Yeah. Um, but also my job is so important to my kind of sense of self-validation. Um, my successes in my career are very important to me. And I think the job that I do is a job I love. So I'm excited to go to work. That's good. And I yeah. look forward to it on a Monday morning. I never feel on a Sunday night, like, oh, God, I've got to go to work and it's a stressful week or whatever. I always want to go back there. So I have a lot of positivity in my daily life, which is something I've worked quite hard to get because I had a career change. When I was 30, I was previously in a job I hated and was very stressful. And What did you do before? I worked in commercial finance. 
Oh, bloody Nora. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was it's completely different. Completely. And just for people listening, you work in music now? I work, yeah, I work in music programming for radio. Um, so, but that was all kind of part of where I got lost along the way, really. I did, I studied media at university. I always wanted to work in radio. It was always the end goal for me originally. Yeah. Um, but then life happened and took me down different paths. And at the time, I wasn't very in control of decisions I was making and choices I was making. Um, and I reached a point around sort of just before I turned 30 where I was like, this isn't what I want the rest of my life to be like. So I decided to make a career change. Um, and again, that's kind of what drives me as well as my kids. It's like, you know, making sure that I'm happy at work is a huge part of just being happy overall. Because mm-hmm. we spend all of our lives at work, really. Exactly, yeah. You work full time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a beneficial thing for me. And I'm someone that uses that kind of neuroses I guess that I have for always having to feel busy and having to feel like I'm achieving things and ticking Mm -hmm. things off that actually works really positively for me because it means that I get things done yeah so yeah as much as it's a symptom of my mental health problems yeah I call them it's also something that I can use to my advantage I get I get I get that too though like I'm constantly busy and sometimes I think maybe I need to cut out some of my extracurricular activities but then I think like I like being busy yeah because it doesn't give you the time to just stop and like get overwhelmed by everything yeah but then I think another thing I've learned is sometimes you have to let yourself become overwhelmed um something I learned in counseling actually was just allowing myself to to say today's been rubbish like yeah. Or this situation I'm in is shit. Mm-hmm. Instead of constantly saying, oh, no, it's fine. I'll get it sorted and it'll be fine. Everything's fine. There's nothing wrong. Yes, it's difficult, but it's fine. Allowing myself to kind of just be a bit sad about something or acknowledge that something didn't go my way or yeah. something's crap. Are you seen, still seeing the same... Or, or did you, Karen, seeing the same counsellor? Um, I know. So I did eight weeks of counselling with with the same person. The same person that I you, had, yeah, because yeah. you recommended her to. Yeah, me. and she was amazing. Yeah, me, she's actually. great. Because I've had counselling before, but I think counselling very much is a personal yeah, relationship. Like I said thing. in the last episode, like counselling is the one thing of all the therapies that I've had that just completely changed my outlook, and it was the the counsellor that I had that did that because I had a few before. Yeah, I didn't quite weren't quite the it's like just trial and error the isn't right it fit exactly yeah. yeah I didn't want somebody who's really like 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 a sterile environment where you feel like a patient yeah whereas the person that we both have seen she um just kind of treats you like a person you're just having a chat with her but yeah. she's just rationalizing all your thoughts and she comes to your house so you yeah. feel very comfortable yeah. yeah yeah it was it was really good for me I mean I kind of felt I knew that I when I kind of hit a point where I was like, I need to seek out medical help. Yeah. I, I went to my doctor and my point, my, my outlook then was, I don't need medication, I need counselling. Uh-huh. And my doctor said to me, I don't think you're strong enough for counselling. I don't think that you can cope with addressing yeah. the problems that, that have caused you to get to this point. 
you need medication to kind of level you out and make you emotionally stable to then be able to process all that stuff. Yeah. And she was absolutely right, 100%. Mm-hmm. was the best, best advice. Yeah. She, I mean, I was lucky. I, I don't know that everyone's experience of going to a GP is the same when they go with... Mm-hmm. I feel like our, it sounds like our experience of not necessarily our mental health difficulties, but our way of like, medicating it and dealing with it seems quite similar because... I originally was like, I don't want to take medication. Yeah. I don't want to do that. That's the last resort. But then I went to my GP and same as you, like I was quite lucky. He's he's like our family doctor. Like yeah. I've known him since I was a kid and he prescribed me citalopram, which I have been taking for two years now. Well, nearly three actually. And um, yeah, it does just help you get to a place where you're not just, <laughs> well for me, where you're not just like an emotional wreck all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, just a bit more level mm-hmm. so that you can then it's like I don't know you have to it's hard because I think for a lot of people it is trial and error like for a lot of people for example the first antidepressant they prescribe might not be the, for, the best one for them yeah but it's finding like the right medication the right therapy and just getting all of that right yeah and I think also even if it is the right antidepressant for you there's an adjustment period mm-hmm. when you start to take medication where you feel definitely fucking weird yeah <laughs> I think the first it was like the first month or six weeks for me I was just like yeah no <laughs> yeah I was the same but again my doctor was very good and she prepared me for that and she said you know that you will feel odd yeah and probably quite sick and yeah. you know you'll have these physical symptoms and it won't be fun um but you have to persevere with it so yeah I was lucky I think in that I had a good doctor who was very pragmatic in are you on yes yeah yeah it's, I think I think that one's kind of known for like I think it's like they say the first six weeks are just going to be weird yeah like I remember getting home from work and just like laying on the sofa just like shaking like why it's happening don't me <laughs> but then you just yeah once you get over that hump it's just sort of like okay yeah. right this is starting to mellow me out but yeah. yeah and I'm lucky as well in that I don't actually have I don't have long term side effects with the telegram mm-hmm. Um, so I feel pretty normal most of the time. I don't have that kind of dis, uh, disjointed or um, kind of misplaced feeling that a lot of people have. I have that. Yeah. A probably to quite an extreme level. Do you? Yeah. I think I probably describe it as brain fog. Yeah. So I'm just sort of like never really 100% present. Like I'm almost at like an altered state of consciousness. It's really weird. Yeah. And that must be so like it's, unsettling. It was at first... But I actually kind of um, take comfort in it a bit now. Like I remember, like just the other day actually, because I, I had a bit of a crap week this week, as you know, everyone does sometimes. They have a bad week, and I was just standing in my bedroom, just staring out the window. Like the world outside was just like it's just like it's really weird. It's almost like it, it just wasn't connecting as being real to me. Yeah. But I actually almost felt quite comforted by that because it's just like your brain's like fight or flight response and this is just the flight version of it where you're just sort of like not really detach there. yourself from yeah, it. yeah I think you just have to find comfort in it rather than letting it scare you it, it was quite scary at first and it's quite frustrating mm. but then I think if if I didn't feel like this I probably wouldn't have been able to like get on stage at Glastonbury yeah it does have benefits to it because I, I never get nervous about performing and yeah. stuff and you know starting a new job I wasn't nervous just because I'm not really yeah yeah so it's it's, a, it's not a totally terrible thing no you kind of have to look at the positives of it I kind of get that more if I 
if I forget to take my tablet. Oh really? You get like that. So if I or if I don't if I don't take it for one day, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. If I forget it for two days, or I just kind of got myself out of that routine routine somehow by being somewhere different, um, then yeah, I'll get that kind of spaced out feeling. Yeah. And um, then the commute is not fun because then I get really bad travel sickness. Oh, really? I get like nausea with it. That's funny because I get quite travel sick and I never used to. Oh, well, maybe, maybe that's it's something it. to do with that. Yeah. I remember driving to a gig. Jay was driving actually, and this is nothing about Jay's driving because Jay's a very good driver. I was, I think the car was full, so I was sat in the middle in the back and I just had to put my head between my legs for the whole drive. It was about a two hour drive because I just felt so sick and I never used to get car yeah, sick. Maybe that's Maybe it's something to do with that, yeah. Yeah, like motion and things. Interestingly though, like the like the brain fog feeling actually started for me a, a week before I started taking the telegram. Oh, yes. And I was like, maybe if I started taking them, it would get get me out of it. I don't know whether it was just like, because I was quite depressed. I don't know whether I just slipped into that and then the telegram just kind of kept me maybe in that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll come up with them. It's just, <laughs> it's so interesting though how it's one drug can affect people so differently. Oh yeah, 100%. I've had people, I've got, well, I've spoken to people who've tried to telegram and just didn't get on with it. Yeah. In the same way that obviously it's worked quite well for us and yeah. they've had to try sertraline or um, fluoxetine, I think it's Prozac's proper name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it just didn't work for them. Yeah. No, I do, I do think that I've been lucky, you know, in that when I've listened to the podcast previously and I've listened to other people's stories and I just think... And that's another thing I have to get over is that sense of I never want to be, well, oh, it's me and all oh, my mm. life is so rubbish because it's not. My life is great and mm. I have so much in my life to be grateful for. Yeah. Um. So I feel guilty about being depressed. I have, like, guilt. I get that too. Uh, I don't think that I should feel negative feelings because there's so much good in my life. Um. But that's just all part of learning to cope with it I think and that's where, where counselling was massively helpful like yeah. like I said just allowing myself to feel crap sometimes yeah. and not feel like that's a failure and I think it's important to remember that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life it is a chemical imbalance in your brain so that's what depression is mm. so like it doesn't matter you know if you just won the lottery if your depression wants to rear its head it's going to rear its head and you're going to feel like shit so yeah it's okay to say this is this sucks. I yeah. feel crap. Even if everything around you is going great, yeah, it's. I think you have to just say, this this sucks. Like it does. Yeah, like, I shouldn't feel bad for, because you can't help it. It's just you know, mm. your brain's just wired a bit differently to other people's. Yeah, I think that's what I found hard as well. Though is because I haven't, because it's come for me quite not late in life, but you know, I'd come through adolescence young adulthood I got married I'd had children um I had this career change and it was almost like I'd been through so much of my life kind of milestones and been totally fine so why all of a sudden could I not and I and it was triggered by um so my my dad passed away actually um about a year before my depression started and I think that that triggered a lot of yeah you know, childhood stuff and and things that I'd constantly gone, oh, no, it's fine. Um, And my brain was going, actually, it's not fine. You need to deal with this crap. Um, So I think for me, it's a funny one because 
I get that it's a chemical imbalance, but I also do think for me, it's not something that I, and I, I might be wrong, but I don't think it'll be something I have to live with for the rest of my life. I feel that, I mean, I've, re- I've reduced my medication by half anyway, which yeah. I did at Christmas last year. Um, and I do eventually plan to come off it completely. And I wouldn't be, you know, that would be with a view to, if, it, if I feel rubbish, I'll just go back on it. Yeah. You know, not, I don't see that as a, as a problem. But um, I think there are different triggers for depression. And one of them is just chemicals. It's literally just your mm-hmm. brain has got that balance wrong. Yeah. And then I, I agree though. I think sometimes it, it, something that happens in your life can trigger it. Yeah. I, there was something that triggered it in me, definitely, but it just happened when I was younger, when I was 17. Yeah. Um, but then I'm always like, is it always maybe just there and it's just kind of dormant and it just needs something just to be like, oh shit, like, I don't know. I yeah. I don't really know the, like, the deep science behind it, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, because as well, I have encountered a lot of people with mental health problems, so... I've had two boyfriends who have, like, after we've broken up, been diagnosed with quite serious mental health conditions. So one had bipolar and paranoid schizophrenia and was sectioned after we'd separated. And another one um, was um, diagnosed with borderline personality disorder years after we were together. And both of them I've spoken to retrospectively. Yeah. And having that knowledge has explained so much to me you know like oh well that's why they did that and that's why they behaved that way and that's how they why they reacted that way to this and yeah it makes so much more sense to me and equally it makes me realize it's so common like every everyone has to deal with it at some level at some point in their yeah. life whether it's people they love or themselves or you know colleagues or whatever like it's just it's almost like the people who are completely happy all the time are the weird ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And actually, probably the ones that are eventually going to... Because one, one of my ex-boyfriends was one of those people. He was someone who was like the life and soul, you know, mm-hmm. the, the party. He would be in a room and everyone would be like, you know, happy. And yeah. he'd always be that up energy in yeah. the room. But that's usually an indication if you're always that. You know, always. Yeah, that's true. That way. That's true. Yeah, that can be an indication of like a number of, of things, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you something, but I can't remember now because we like went on a tangent. Into... No, it's fine though. Like that's the point of this. It's just a conversation, isn't it? Conversations go on tangents. It's fine. Yeah. So like, it's it's interesting that you said like you obviously don't see depression as a life sentence for you, which I think is a good attitude to have. Mm. Because for me, like I, I, I want to come off Satellapram at some point. I, I don't think, I don't know, I'm definitely not ready yet. Um, but it's nice to kind of, I, I think you have to, yeah, just be positive and just think, like, this isn't going to be my life forever. Mm. Because that's just going to make you feel worse. So. But then at the same time, realising that if it is, that's okay. Yeah. Like, I, that's how I try to see it is, I don't think I will always need medication but if I do I'm not going to beat myself up over it like it's like that's fine yeah that's perfectly okay yeah I think yeah you sort of have to just yeah accept it like we said and just I'm I kind of am at the point now where I think okay so this is how I am I've just got to make the best of life 
around that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like um, Alex and I have just booked a holiday, which for me is quite a difficult thing because I get a lot of anxiety in the lead up to stuff like that because I'm like, you know, um, I get a lot of quite bad health anxiety because of my kidneys. So I'll be like, what if something happens when we're there? What if something happens just before and we can't go? And it's like, um, so, I, and, and I'm always like, I wish I could be one of those people who just books holidays all the time and just goes. But I've just got to the point now where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to try and just make the best of the situation that I'm in and just try and do it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Yeah. But I think you've just got to try and make the best of the situation that you're in. And if that's how, if that's what my life's going to be for the rest of my life, then it's fine. I'll just do my best. And Yeah. 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 We'll see. <laughs> I'm not good with flying either, so that's not... Oh, no. I've got some, I've got some diazepam saved back. So <laughs> if I just have to like knock myself out on the plane, I'll just... Yeah, it's only like a two-hour flight, so... See, I don't really um, suffer with anxiety as much, mm-hmm. um, but I know a lot of people do. Obviously, yeah. Jay has anxiety. Um, it's a fun combination. Yeah, I kind of think that that's more crippling in everyday life than um, being able to medicate depression because anxiety can be triggered by the tiniest things and it's so irrational. Yeah. It's... And you can't help, like I, I, I've tried to, you know, help Jay out if he's worrying about something, but there's know, nothing he doesn't have control do, over yeah. it and yeah. there's nothing I can say that's going to make him feel better. And that's difficult for, you know, someone that you love to see them. Like. Yeah. And I know that he's found it hard to understand sometimes when, if in the past, I mean, luckily I haven't, this year I haven't really had any periods where I felt really low, but... You know, he wants to know why. What's the reason for that? Was and I have no idea most yeah. of the time. I just I don't know, and I could make something up. But what's the point of that? You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is a real element of a lack of control with anxiety, and that's why I find it funny. Like in the last episode when I was talking about therapy, why I find it funny that um, CBT is said to be like a really successful therapy for people with anxiety because CBT requires like a lot of control over your thoughts mm. and if you're an anxious person you don't have control over your thoughts so how can you well I think the idea is that you train yourself to be able to yeah. control those thoughts but I just I just can't like yeah my like I don't know my brain and my mind are like two separate things in my head like having a boxing match all the time yeah so never mind <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been offered CBT no I think they I don't know if it's offered so much for depression. No, I, I I haven't. And to be honest, I haven't actually felt that I've needed it. And I think for me, the counselling was just a massive turning point. And yeah. I just felt so much more able to, to cope with things after that because it changed my perception of everything. It changed my understanding of everything. And that's massive. When you kind of had, had an understanding and a perception of your life for 30 years... And then someone comes in and you do eight weeks of work with them and they completely change that. Yeah. It's life-changing. And I, I honestly can't recommend counselling enough for that purpose. Yeah, me too. And I think especially, well, I don't want to say, like, everybody go and see the same counsellor that we saw because she'll be inundated with people. Well, it's probably not a bad thing because she's a really good counsellor. But, um, yeah, it, changed, it was the same for me. It just changed 
my outlook and I mentioned something on the last episode which is actually something that she taught me which was just about like having almost like a toolkit in your head for if you if there's a situation or something that you're not quite comfortable with so for example with this holiday which I'm feeling anxious about it's just about thinking about what's the worst that could happen and if that happens just make sure you've got everything you'd need to deal with that situation so like medication or I've got her details if I need a counsellor she's there I've got my family so they'll help me I've got Alex so she'll help me and it's just about having all of those things there to like help you deal with it exactly yeah Yeah. and it's good like especially with the counselling if you find a counsellor that you really connect with and that really helps you you know that you can always go back to them if you need to yeah and that's just a really comforting thing I think yeah definitely I mean she she I know she makes a point of saying I think we've done enough yeah if you ever need me yeah then I just ring me and I'll yeah which is it is is comforting to know that Mm -hmm. yeah I think I did about six or eight sessions maybe yeah which I think is what you usually recommend it to do yeah yeah so yeah that was really helpful I was gonna say something else about that what was I gonna say it's to do with having like taking control of things and I can't remember now. <laughs> so how long ago did you see her? Um, I think probably a year ago. Just how long ago? Because I remember we us talking about it, like, maybe just before, because I recommended... You No, you'd said that you had, you'd, like, picked her out. Mm. Yes, that was and, what was And strange. I was like, oh, yeah, I did too, because she just had, like, a really friendly face. Yeah. Um, and then... Yeah, I can't believe that was a year ago. Yeah. And I don't know if you experienced this as well, but um, I'd have a session with her and then I would feel like I could rule the world. Yeah. You know, like, I figured it all out. Yeah. I understand it, everything. Like, in the sense of, like... It's like a massive adrenaline rush. Yeah. Um, which would last, like, a day. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm, like, I'm the most together person that you will ever meet. Like, yeah. I've got all of this sussed out now. <laughs> and then the next day, you know, reality would hit, and I'd be like, oh, oh, no. Yeah. I, no. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't quite get to, the, to, like, the point where I think, like, I've got everything figured out, but I would feel like, okay, I understand this now. Mm. Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. But I, I think there's a lot of power in talking to people. Which is why I think it's really good that a lot more people are talking about their mental health. Not just through this podcast, but through, like, just in general, it yeah. seems like. I think there's a lot of power in just talking about it and just getting feelings off your chest. But I think it's also really good to talk to people who are impartial and who don't have any, like, vested interest in your life or yeah. something. Which is... And it was just, one of the most useful things for me was I would talk to her about a situation in the past or something that had happened and how I felt about it and then she would kind of say it back to me through her understanding of that so she'd be like so what I'm hearing is this yeah she'd do that she'd do that to me as well and I'd I'd be like it would blow my mind yeah because how she understood it would be so different yeah to how I understood it Mm -hmm. her perception was from a completely different place because she didn't have all the baggage that I had attached to that particular thing Mm -hmm. um and I was like oh yeah Actually, you might be right on that. Maybe I have completely made all that up in my head. Like, yeah. oh, I think this person thinks this of me, or that person thinks that of me, or whatever. Whatever it was that I was trying to explain. And it honestly was... And it sounds so simple 
when you explain it afterwards. Yeah. But I think it's hard to get out of your own head. Mm-hmm. Because you live in there. Definitely. <laughs> so. Definitely. I think um, one thing that does make me quite sad, though, is that obviously we're talking about this counsellor and how great she was. But a lot of people, like, that was private. Like, we paid for that. Yeah. And a lot of people can't. And um, interestingly, I was talking to somebody the other day who's been offered counselling through the NHS. And I don't know whether it's just for the condition that she has. I don't think she'll mind me saying, actually, it was Ellen who did the... And a few episodes ago, she's got... Well, she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. They've offered her counselling. But she's going to go and see three different counsellors... And then they're going to decide which one is best for her. Oh, that's interesting. Which I find quite interesting because I always have seen on the NHS, you just get what you're given yeah. in terms of counselling. Um, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Like, I think it'd be a good thing if you got to choose who you felt was best for you. Yes, but for sure. Because you know yeah. what you, what's the most beneficial. Well, well not, necessarily, yeah. not necessarily what's the most beneficial, but you know who you feel comfortable yeah. talking to. I mean, I've, like we said earlier, I've... I've had counselling before and it's been okay. Yeah. But it's not been a long term. I'm trying to think if I ever had counselling like through the NHS. I had CBT, which I didn't like. I only did like a few sessions of that. Did I ever see a counsellor though? I think I got put on the waiting list for it and then I was just like, fuck it, I'm just gonna pay for it and just went and saw somebody. Yeah. Um I saw someone um via work. A lot of workplaces... That's true. Not where I work now, but where I worked previously. Um, a lot of workplaces actually now are very supportive and have HR policies in place for that yeah. sort of thing. We have um, the Retail Trust. Yeah. Because it's, we're a retail company and you can get free counselling through them. Yeah. Which is quite good. Yeah, I think I think it's all part of it. You know, like you said, the conversation is becoming yeah. much more open. Where, where, where I work, we've um, actually recently done a big thing called heads together oh that's uh prince, prince william, william and prince harry and the duchess of cambridge yeah yeah um just you know having having someone like that talk about yeah definitely you know what i'm gonna mention it in the intro of this podcast so anybody listening to this will have already heard me talk about it but did you watch mind over marathon no definitely watch it really it's on it's on iplayer it's two one-hour episodes and it's 10 people who all have different mental health conditions. They're all different ages, different abilities, who come together to train to run the London Marathon four heads together. Oh, yeah. um, not all of them make it to the marathon because some of them just, you know, but they all go on like a bit of like a personal journey yeah. through this training and stuff. And it's just, yeah, it was just really, really inspiring. Like, the next day, Alex went out and ran, like, 7K in the morning. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run a half marathon. But, um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Watch it. Actually, that is something that I would um, touch on as well, is, like, physical well-being and mental well-being being so, for me, like, closely intertwined. Yeah. I know it's for you as well, because I know that, like, ill health triggers your anxiety and that kind yeah. of thing. But for me, it's more about like wellness. So allowing myself to take care of myself mm-hmm. is something I struggle with because my life's so hectic. Yeah, and I'm always, you know, commuting, or looking after the children, working all day, or you know, don't have much time. No, but, yeah. I don't have a lot of time. But I've realised I have to create that time and have to prioritise it. Mm-hmm. I have to look after myself and 
if that means doing yoga for 20 minutes at the end of my day that's 20 minutes better than exactly than if I did nothing I get sent a lot of um articles and stuff people always send me stuff now um about research that's been done into the connection between diet and mental health Mm. and just how actually um I don't know how true this is um but how changing your diet can can be like one of the most effective um treatments for like poor mental health yeah just having a, like, actually like a nourishing diet. Yeah, definitely. It's like my diet's crap. I eat like a fifteen-year-old boy. If Alex not Alex isn't around to cook, I'll have like fucking potato smileys and beans or something. <laughs> <laughs> I have the most terrible diet. Yeah. Um, well, I'm kind of similar in that I, throughout my life, have gone through like such erratic eating patterns. So I'll either not eat anything and just exist on my like, crisps. Mm-hmm. Or I'll be on a massive health kick okay. and I'll cook every day and I'll plan all my meals and it's like one extreme to the other, all the like back and forth, yeah. back and forth. And I do think that now I've reached because I've recently turned vegan, I turned vegan this year. I've been a vegetarian pretty much my whole life, but yeah. decided to turn vegan this year. And that requires you to Oh yeah. Be organized. You can't there's not really any fast food for vegan. Not really. So. You know, there's it's way less convenient uh-huh. so if I forget to pack a lunch then I have limited options and or if I don't cook in the evenings you know and because I now I'm so much more aware of looking after myself and physically and that how that affects me mentally it has been hugely beneficial actually and I didn't become vegan for that reason I didn't it wasn't a decision linked to my mental health at all but I can definitely feel the benefit of it really yeah that's really interesting yeah and sleep sleep is like oh hell yeah so, so, like, just making sure I go to bed at, a, at an hour that means... Because I wake early because I commute. Mm-hmm. I have to get, you know, at least seven hours sleep a night. Yeah. Because that's what we need. Me too. Me too. <laughs> it's like when, when, like, me and the guys have been at the studio. We leave at, like, 11. And they're like, we're going to the pub. Do you want to come? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah. I need to sleep. And they all think I'm, like, boring. But I'm like... Sleep is very important. Yeah, it is. I need, like, ideally eight hours a night, if not seven. Because if not, I'm just, like, I notice it massively. Yeah. And that's just how humans operate. Exactly. That's how we're made. We're supposed to sleep. That's how our brains process everything we've gone through in the day. Yeah, it's like having a remote control that's constantly got, like, nearly empty batteries in it. Like, it's really hard to get it to work. You have to, like, hold it up in the air. Yeah, that's a really good analogy, yeah. Like... It just makes everything a lot harder. Yeah, if you're tired. Um, yeah, so, yeah, sleep's massive. But I think, yeah, diet's really important too. I'm trying. I'm trying to be a bit more healthy, but... Yeah. Like, yeah, it's hard. It's another thing at work, actually, that they're really big on is wellness. And they've been doing these things recently where you can go and do, like, um, they did a mindfulness session the other day that you could go and stop nice. into. And they're doing Pilates and things like that. And... I just think it's great that it's become, like, no one thinks, oh, God, you're a massive hippie. If you go off yeah. and, like, you know, do a bit of meditation or whatever in, a, in your lunch hour, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because I work in a creative industry. Yeah. Um, and maybe I think it's important, though. Yeah. It is important. Um, because I think, especially with depression, depression and diet, I think her. Uh, are closely linked in more ways than one in that if you're depressed, I think you're more likely 
to want to eat badly and eat comfort food and eat just whatever's easy, whatever's quick. And it's just like a vicious circle because yeah. that's just going to make you feel worse. Whereas when I'm depressed, I just don't eat. Yeah, well, there you go. It's just, you know... Because I don't care. Exactly. I don't want to look after myself. Yeah, I, I, like, I remember um, when I... Well, I've always had anxiety, but I only really started having depression a few years ago. And when it happened... Um, I was still living with my parents, but Alex was living there too. And my mum had just been diagnosed with cancer. So she couldn't really run around after me, cook me dinner and stuff. And just the thought, I remember just the thought of standing in the kitchen and cooking dinner just made me feel awful. I was like, I can't do it. I physically can't do it. I can't bear to be focused on a task yeah. for longer than like two minutes. Yeah. So it, it's hard getting the motivation to like to yeah. be healthy and stuff especially if you're in a really bad place yeah but I think it's really important and it's important in the times where you feel well to maintain it yeah yeah because that's, you, know, you have to you have to put all those things in place so you're doing that self-care mm-hmm. that's ultimately only going to benefit you yeah I think I think that's something I've I've learned one of the biggest things I've learned through the last sort of two years two and a half years is looking after myself better because there are people that depend on me as well you know mm-hmm. I have my kids and they need me to be able to function and and the, the weird thing as well is that even when I was not well I was I was still cooking for them I was making them a packed lunch every night I yeah. was planning their meals yeah like that was just not even do you know what? I think you'd find it saying that I think you'd find it so interesting watching mind over marathon because there's a woman in it who is absolutely terrible like her her one-year-old son died of pneumonia oh god and a few days later her husband who just overcome with grief just walked out the house and killed himself and obviously she was just so traumatized but she had really bad ptsd but she still had two kids yeah and she cooked dinner for them and still do everything for them, but she wouldn't eat herself. She'd just have toast or something. Yeah. Like, just putting... That's exactly me. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I didn't go through anything like that. That's horrendous. But, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, it's... It's, um, it's that sense of just not caring about yourself. Yeah. yeah. That you can still care for other people. Exactly. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. I almost think that depression makes you... Well, it did for me, anyway. It makes you want to care for other people a bit more makes you more empathetic yeah for sure like I, I when I became depressed I fucking signed up to about 20 charities same I was giving all this money <laughs> yeah. sponsored a child <laughs> dogs trust you know all this stuff and yeah it, because it, you see I think you see the sadness in the world 100% so and that's 100%. all you can focus on exactly but it, it, it's almost just trying to find something that will just like nourish you a little bit Mm. and just make you feel a bit better Mm. like I feel so sad and there's so much sadness in the world like I want to try and yeah yeah it definitely makes you a lot more empathetic 100% yeah like I can't I can't walk past a homeless person now without just like just because it yeah I, I think it has I don't know if you'd agree with this I feel like it's made definitely made me a better person. I was a dickhead when I was when I was younger. I was an absolute twat. <laughs> but I think now I'm much just. I think I'm just a nicer person overall. Yeah. Because what? Well, firstly, 
I like massively believe in karma and the last thing I need is bad karma because that's just going to be <laughs> the last thing I need and also yeah I just think when you've seen how hard life can be it just makes you a bit more understanding about yeah other people's feelings absolutely and I think also it makes me more not tolerant but if someone is behaving in a way that I just think is unacceptable or I can't understand or is offensive or you know or just reckless or any of those kind of things before I'd just be like that person's an idiot whereas now it makes me think they're doing those things for a reason they're behaving that way for a reason they're you know everyone is a product of their experience exactly you question why yeah m- way more than i used to yeah. and much more kind of accepting of people i even look at like serial killers and terrorists and i'm like you're a child once i see i see that in everyone and i, th- I think i thought that was because i'm a mother yeah because that definitely is something that kicked in for me when i had children it was like and that's what that's what gets me as well when i see like homeless people i think of my children yeah and i think what kind of childhood did you Definitely. have? Like, who's who? Where are your family? Where are the people that care for you? Like, yeah. that, and I do. I'm the same with people who've done awful things. People who've killed people or committed terrible done crimes. Really horrible stuff. You just yeah. think, what's made you that? I thing? know. I always think you were a child once. You were like the most innocent creature. Mm. It, Nobody is born bad. Yeah. Like that just doesn't yeah. exist. It's funny, I know, yeah, because I never used to think like that, but now I'm just like, what happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> Why? But don't tell me, because it yeah. makes you sad. I don't know Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny. But yeah, no, it's definitely changed me in so many ways that I see as positive mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So, and also I do, I do, I'm a big believer in things take courses for certain reasons. So I've gone through these last two years. For a reason, yeah, and I'll come out the other side better for well, it. Well, you've got, you know, well, I'm almost on the other side. But, yeah, but you know. I mean, like, you know, you've got a great job, great boyfriend, great kids. Like, you know, I think I agree. I think everything happens for a reason. Yeah, I think it's re- really, you know, Alex was saying to me the other day that somebody at her work, his wife has got depression, and they have this. It, it it's not something that I could do. I think because I'm just quite a miserable grumpy person generally but they have this thing called like the positivity book so whenever something really good happens they write it down and then when things are really bad they just look through it and say like yeah but look at all this good stuff yeah and although I couldn't physically like write do it, it down yeah, yeah I think it's important to just think about try and think about all the positives focus on the good things yeah yeah even though it's really really hard when you're depressed but also I think that's it's a balance it's that thing like I said before because I that's I've, I've in the past gone too far that way and been like well, you have no right to feel sad. yeah you have no there are people in the world who are suffering awful things and your life is fine why like and even someone very close to me said to me when I told them that I that I had depression well, what have you got to be depressed about? You know, and that, and I was like, well, you haven't got to. Why are you depressed? You, what do you need counselling for? Yeah. <laughs> and that you just get it. It just completely fed into all yeah. my kind of guilt and my yeah. like. You're right. Like, what? Why do I feel this way? Yeah. So it's all relative, though. I think, like, what? What is the worst thing that could happen to a child in in a war torn country? you know, it's completely different to what the worst thing that could happen to a British middle-class person. Yeah. 
but it still feels the same probably it still feels as horrible and yeah and actually it's not really even about sometimes it's not even about what's happened to you it's just your body is not functioning the way it's supposed to Mm -hmm. so you're not able to cope yeah and it could be like i don't know um I broke a plate mm-hmm. and I'm irrationally upset about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's true. I, I think um, a lot with a lot of that guilt, you just have to think it is all just like I don't know. It, it's just relative to your existence and your surroundings, mm-hmm. and you have to sort of like not compare it to other people, but just think of it within your little like bubble. And yeah, try not to compare yourself to other people that's the worst thing you can do absolutely 100% I agree with that yeah cool well we've moved an hour which cool. I think is a good because usually people run out of things to say by now which it's good that we haven't yay so, yeah but yeah thanks for coming on it's been really interesting no we've thanks talked for having about me. lots of things that we haven't talked about yet on the podcast so good yeah good I'm glad I can contribute cool again to Leah for joining me and being so open and honest Uh, if you liked this episode then please do um, like share rate subscribe it's all really helpful stuff Um, we have a Facebook page at crazy talk the podcast where you can find some helpful links and news and updates you can also email me at crazy talk the podcast at gmail.com I'll be back again in a fortnight with another episode for you guys until then take care and thank you for listening